Now, I want you to do something. I want you to find your abiding place. Now, this is what it looks like. In the heavens, and I do want all of you young people, I want everybody to listen to this message today. And this is what it looks like. You find where God has you seated, and you sit. Hell does not want you seated where God wants you seated. It's really that simple. You have to war to get in your seat, and you have to war to stay in your seat. Always remember that. Alamu and I wrote a whole new book on that, which is so important for you to understand as you go into this year ahead. Now, let me show you some things before Robert begins. And I want to say a few things, and then Robert's going to share with us. And this is a very, very important message and time for us right now. See, the reason we did uh, Saturday night before December the 23rd, angels we have heard on high, because we've got to come to an understanding of the supernatural that is among us. It's really that simple. And if you haven't watched that, I want to encourage you to go back and watch that incredible, incredible gathering that we had here. The, some of the songs were just, uh, many new songs were written here. And I want you to be aware of the supernatural. Go ahead, Brian. Now, the Lord of hosts uh, will triumph. We start having our gathering for starting the year off right on the second. Now, that gathering is the second and third. The second is live here. We'll enjoy our, our worship together. And then the third, I'll begin in the Miracle Center. And I'll do that session live because I feel like that's the way the Spirit of God is leading us. Misty Edwards is leading worship all during the virtual time. But I have called all over the world, actually, and I have people representing with to hear what they are hearing for us. Uh, and you can see we have quite a list. That is so key. You'll want to be here for the second and enjoy this blowout that we'll have on the second. But the third, we'll have it, it will be in two sections, and you can just take your breaks when you need your breaks, but you will want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I have gathered enough of different stream voices so that we can get a good feel of what God is saying as we enter into the year ahead. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't, 
If you want to be here, be here the second. If you want to be here the morning of the third, you can be here the morning of the third. And then we will have that running all day in the Miracle Center if you want to just stay and watch. But uh, you can also go home and watch and be with the Lord and allow him to fill your home as well. Now, go ahead and let's look at this. Now, when we are out and about, in the community, and God is doing something, which we're in so many different areas in the community, but we sponsored a big bowling tournament this weekend, and, uh, you know, it's amazing how God has influenced that bowling community, and so we want to stay involved with it, but in this tournament that we were helping sponsor the top two teams were Global Sphere's team. Let's thank God for that. Now, let me tell you something. That takes a big something. I've been in bowling way too long. And then this was the team that won. Let me show you right there. Now, for them to triumph, that means they had favor. God was with them. And they had to stay on point because some of those people are professional bowlers that they're bowling against. And so that is just amazing to see that. Let's thank God for Jesus and Lisa and Charlotte. Remember Charlotte and her her boyfriend came up here and we sent them out and Keith prayed over them. Now, they were not church people And so that was quite a wonderful experience for them to come here and experience this with us. But look, they love saying we're part of Global Spheres. That's how a lot of people are going to come to know the Lord in days ahead. You need to be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, and it's going to influence those around you. Now, let me share a couple of things before Robert teaches us. First of all, I want to remind you we are in an era of war. That means everything's conflict. And God ordained this era. An era is a historical time. This began in 2020, actually in uh, September of 2019. And in this era of war... It is very supernatural, very mystical, and I'm afraid that we're having to break out of such a religious structure so we can see what God is doing. Remember, in this era is about coming face to face both with your enemy and with God himself. Therefore, you've got to be aware of what you're running into and who you're running into. This era is about what you say. See, God reveals, but we're required to say. And you're going to have to say to make it through. You're going to have to say something, and if I were you, I would want to say what he is revealing to you. Don't agree with anything else. 
Don't say anything else because the enemy will try to make you come into agreement very subtly with him. Now, you have a moment, and I want you, this service was about you recognizing your moment in a new way. Not just teaching it, but you being aware. Thomas recognized he had a moment. Now, God said it. I, you'd be surprised what all God says before I get here. And all I can do is watch to see if you're listening. I'm not here to teach you everything you need to do. I'm here to see if you're on the right path. Now, that brings me to what I want to say to us. Catherine, I prayed for you not knowing all you were going to be doing in the coming year, but Pam and I wrote them during the Christmas holidays, and because I saw your path, it was incredible in the year ahead, and you were working with seeds to make them grow, but you were also taking thorns and changing thorns into something else. So remember that. Now, people who say they don't believe in the supernatural, that's not so. What they're really saying is, I've never experienced the supernatural. Because We live in parallel universes. You are living in the supernatural. Now, whether you, it has nothing to do with belief. It has to do how you're processing where you're living. And I see that people really have two areas they're contending with and they're hung in before Robert teaches this. Go ahead, Brian. Stay ahead of me. See, have you ever, do you remember in science, biology, where you had a microscope and you could go, I I remember the teacher in one of my biology classes, asking me to bring a jar of water from our lake. Well, I didn't know what she was going to use. But when I brought that jar of water, she then had us all take our slides and put one drop on each slide. When you put that drop under a microscope, and it was 30 in that class, you saw 30 different worlds in operation. All you've got to do is do it. That one drop of water had an entire environment going on itself. 
all the movement that was going on in that one drop. And you wouldn't even have noticed that one drop. That's what's happening around you. See, and it comes because we are living in two worlds. Go ahead and let me show the next slide for you. Uh, go back one, uh, Brian. Uh, there's something else I want to show first. No. Now go ahead. See, you are, there's two dimensions that's operating around you. And when people are talking about the angelic, they're usually talking about how they want a physical manifestation. But see, angels are working all through here right now. And really, why you're interacting with the spiritual realm is... You want to be spiritually enlightened, as Paul says. And whoever out there doesn't like that word, it's your problem. Paul said, I pray that your eyes are enlightened. With both the wisdom and revelation. See, religion will force you in to only living physically. And never operating in enlightenment. When enlightenment is going on all around you, the word of God, when it opens up, it's alive and it's filled with light. So put the so what I want you to understand is you, we're not asking God to bring angels just so we can see some physical manifestation. We're asking God for those messengers to enlighten us over how to walk on the path that God has put us on. Enlightenment is linked with the will of God in heaven and you moving in the will of God from heaven in the earth realm. Look at somebody and say, you got a path. And that path has to get lighter and lighter. So don't run off the angels that are on your path. Sometimes angels are going to come to bring you a physical substance manifestation. Just like they did at Hagar. The first example. They showed up so she would turn around and get back in her place for another 14 years. She had gotten off path. Sometimes angels are going to come because you cry out and just like later on when they needed water and they cried out, angels came to Hagar and showed her a well. 
Sometimes in this war season, we must know that the angelic is warring on our behalf. Now, let me leave this with you. The angelic involved with us has three levels of interaction. First of all, there are suddenlies. They just show up. And you can see them. I've seen them. But there's other times on your path you are growing and they are interacting with you and the only way you will get to a place of the physical manifestation is for your will to mature and it quit being just about you. Every time you give, angelic interaction occurs. Every time. It's a biblical principle. See, the laws of the Spirit are going to work whether you believe in them or recognize them. That doesn't change the laws of the Spirit in the earth realm. It changes what you're going to experience. But then, there is angelic going on where there is a conception and that a conception can't even be talked about until it begins to uh, uh, produce and grow and then all of a sudden what was conceived breaks out. Now that's my word for us this year. You're going to have a breakout somewhere. Now, welcome Robert Heidler to teach on angels. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to our New Year's weekend at Glory of Zion. You know, the, usually at the New Year, around the New Year's time, I do a message on the Hebrew meaning of the year. But we already did that back ahead of the year. And this morning, I think there's something more important for me to talk about. And Chuck has asked me to take what he has just been talking about and visualize it for you. So you can, you can really grasp and understand the angelic and the part God wants them to play in your lives. And so our message this morning is understanding angels are allies in the battle or Entering the new year with confidence. Now, standing at the beginning of a new year is like standing on the edge of a precipice. I mean, we're not sure what is ahead. We're not sure what the new year will bring. There is uncertainty. But God does not want us to face the future in fear. God has given us some incredible promises. And some of the most important promises God has given us are promises about angels. See, the Bible gives us many wonderful promises about the angels. In Psalm 91, he will command his angels concerning you 
to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Psalm 34, 1, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. And the Bible not only gives promises about angels protecting us, it gives examples of how they do it. In 2 Kings 6, Elisha was under attack. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And the servant asked, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked again and saw an army of angels all around Elisha. See, Elisha's servant had been in fear because he was only aware of the visible. Elisha had faith because he could see into that other dimension. He could see the unseen. And so when Elisha prayed, God opened the servant's eyes and he caught a glimpse of what was happening in the invisible realm. And he saw a massive army of angels gathered to protect him. And seeing the angels delivered him from his fears. And God wants us to see the angels also. Like Elisha's servant, God wants us to catch a glimpse of warring angels in the invisible realm. Satan wants to keep us ignorant of that invisible war, but it's important that we understand it. Now, I found it's hard for some people to picture what angels and demons are like. They say they don't understand spiritual warfare. And that's why I wrote a, a series of books I call the Iona Books. Uh, it's a fiction trilogy, Iona Portal, Iona Stronghold, and Iona Rising, written under the pen name Robert David McNeil, but it's designed to give you a vivid picture of what spiritual warfare is like. And many people have told me that reading this series helped them understand spiritual warfare for the first time. I had one woman tell me what she learned reading this series probably saved her life. And so if you don't understand angels and demons and warfare, one resource you have is to see this fiction description of what spiritual warfare looks like. Because God wants us to understand the warfare that's taking place all around us in the invisible realm. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about angels and demons, but most Christians have never been taught about them. And the result is there's a lot of confusion. Uh, Christian artists have not helped. Uh, many artists portray angels as delicate beings who seem very gentle and religious. Uh, at other times, angels are pictured as chubby babies playing harps. Now, the New Age movement has only increased the confusion. They picture angels as wispy, ethereal creatures, beings of light with no material substance. None of those are accurate. So what is an angel? If you look it up in a Bible dictionary, it will say something like this. An angel is a, angels are an order of supernatural beings 
whose business it is to act as God's messengers to us and as agents to carry out his will. The word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. And the word is used primarily of the races of spiritual beings. Let me say that again. It's used of the races of spiritual beings that God uses to carry out his government in the world. Now, to understand angels, we first need to understand the invisible realm. For most of us, reality is the visible realm. It's where we live. We get up in the morning. We go to work. We pay our bills. Sometimes we get sick. We deal with fears and worries and anxieties. But see, there's also an invisible realm. It's a spiritual realm, a dimension alongside the visible and the Bible describes this, the spiritual realm, like a parallel dimension. It's all around us. It can influence us greatly, but we cannot see it. And your phys- physicists are now agree that there are dimensions beyond the ones that we know. Now, the Bible describes the spiritual realm as having several levels. There's the highest heaven. That's where God's throne is. There are also the midheavens. And the midheavens are peopled by vast numbers of beings that the Bible calls angels and demons. And these beings have some unique abilities. Uh, first of all, they're not conv- confined to the invisible realm. They're able to freely pass between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. They move between dimensions as easily as we move from sunlight to shadow. Robert, let me ask this. They don't have to have wings. And they can take any form. You've got to be able to recognize the spiritual dimension that you're seeing. Some physicists actually believe there's 11 different dimensions. Now, I want to say this. We you got lots of movement around you. And I'm going to decree your eyes are going to be open to what's moving around you. Amen. Because, see, there are angels in here now. Some of them are just back in the invisible realm, but they're watching over us, they're with us. There may be some that have actually broken through into this dimension I mean, how well do you know that person sitting next to you? Just think about that for a minute. But see, their ability to fade in and out of our dimension has caused, has caused some people to think that angels don't have bodies. And they picture angels as ethereal beings with no tangible substance. But see, that's not how the Bible describes these beings. When angels are described as spiritual beings, it doesn't mean they don't have bodies. It means their bodies are native to the spiritual realm. They're not impeded by physical boundaries. I like to say they're transdimensional. They can move freely between the dimensions. But when angels move into the physical realm, their bodies are as real and as tangible as ours. When angels enter the earth realm, They seem surprisingly like us. You know, angels eat and drink. In in Genesis, angels visit Abraham. He fixes them a meal. 
and they sit down and eat. They use weapons and tools. They play musical instruments. They cook food. You know, in 2 Kings 19, an angel built a fire and cooked a meal for Elijah. Angels feel solid to the touch. As a matter of fact, they look so much like normal human beings, the men of Sodom wanted to have sex with them. Now, in fact, when angels enter the material realm, they are often mistaken for human beings. Hebrews 13 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for some have entertained angels without knowing it. So I say again, how well do you know that person sitting next to you? Angels sometimes walk among us unnoticed. And that means when angels show up in the earth realm, don't expect wings and a halo. They can look totally human. Now, this passage is saying you may have seen an angel without knowing it. Angels may walk among us, but the Bible also shows they can operate invisibly from the spiritual realm. They can interact with you and work to protect you without ever showing themselves openly. And I believe angels are far more involved with your life than you have ever imagined. Uh, It surprises many Christians to know that every culture in human history has recorded encounters with angelic and demonic beings. It's a universally understood fact. You know, in Iona Portal, one of the main characters is a guy named Michael Fletcher. And Michael is an angelologist. He has spent his life studying angels and demons And in an early chapter of the book, he tells a young man named Patrick about the reality of angels. And while the book is fiction, what Michael says here is a fact. He points out that the ancient Jews were not the only people who were aware of angels. He said every society in human history has recorded contacts with angelic and demonic beings. And every generation... There are those who have claimed to have encounters with them. He said students of prehistoric cultures have found pictures of winged humanoids scrawled in the walls of caves in every part of the earth. Beings like these are described in the writings of Plutarch, carved in the monuments of Egypt and Babylon and Persia. The pagan Greeks and Romans painted pictures of angels that look exactly like our Christian ones. And see, all of these ancient peoples had seen the same things. Reports of these beings have continued throughout history. George Washington spoke of his guardian angel and credited his success at Valley Forge to a visit from a heavenly being. One of the most famous modern accounts is called The Legend of Mons. The Battle of Mons took place in Belgium in August of 1914 during World War I. And within weeks of the battle, the story was already legendary. Because soldiers returning reported seeing an army of angels led by a towering winged figure that spurred on the English forces during their assault on the German trenches. And these beings were observed by many soldiers and supposedly corroborated by the German prisoners. So in every age, there are those who have had encounters with these beings. 
They've been called by many names. Pagan Greeks called them Horai. The Vikings knew them as the Valkyries. The Hindus called them Divas, the Shining Ones. In primitive shamanism, they're called the Bird People. And then Michael continues by saying, of course, angel sightings can't be proven. Some are certainly hoaxes. But the persistence of these accounts throughout history, along with the amazing similarity of the reports, tells me we're dealing with something real. As common as angel sightings are in history, it's not surprising that the Bible says a lot about them. Angels are common in the Bible. An angel found water for Hagar in the wilderness. Angels ate dinner with Abraham. They rescued Lot and his family from Sodom. They cooked food for Elijah. They foretold Jesus' coming and they announced his birth. They rolled away the stone and announced the resurrection. They directed Philip to the Ethiopian. They released Peter from prison. They spoke to Cornelius. And the Bible tells us a lot about angels. It says there are different races, different species of angels. Some angels look like human beings. Sometimes they're shown without wings. But at other times, they have wings. Angels are often described as a human surrounded by a brilliant shining glow or dazzling white garments. Angels are attractive. In the Bible, to say someone looked like an angel meant their appearance was very attractive. Judges 3.26, he looked like an angel, very awesome in appearance. Acts 6.15, his face was like the face of an angel. And I think angels are attractive because their bodies don't have any of the debilitating effects that sin has brought into the human race. But some angels don't look human at all. They're the living creatures that guard God's throne, the cherubim. And they're sometimes described as winged lions. But they somehow, sometimes have four faces. And then they're the fiery six-winged seraphim. Bible doesn't say much about them except they're there. So now one, now you, you read what theologians write about angels and one of the big questions that always comes up is, are there female angels? You know, theologians just sometimes don't have any sense. But some theologians teach that angels are only male. That's because they don't read their Bible. Zechariah 5, 9, there before me were two women, I think that means female, and they had wings like those of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. Now, if that's not describing female angels, I don't know what else it could be. So yes, there are female angels. Now, the vast majority of angelic beings live in fellowship with God and enjoy his presence. They continually praise God. The early Christian writers pictured angels joining in a continual ring dance around the throne of God. Job describes angels singing for joy as they watch God create the world. Angels are unpredictable. Like Chuck said, sometimes they just surprise you. You never know when or where an angel might show up. Angels are great in number. 
Revelation 5 says, I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. There, see, there's a lot of angels out there. Angels make up the armies of heaven. One of the most important names of God is Yahweh Sabaoth. That means the Lord of hosts. Hosts means armies. As Yahweh Sabaoth, God is the commander of the armies of heaven. Angels are part of the hosts of God. They're a supernatural army standing against the powers of darkness. And they engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. So what do angels do? Well, first of all, they patrol the earth. There are angels on patrol. Let me add this. That's what I saw. They had the four ruling angels. The seraphim had surrounded America and its territories. Then they were surrounded. The territorial angels came into position, just like you saw us today. And so we want to understand America is surrounded by the angelic right now. Amen. So before you go into all that cursing how we're going to go to hell in a handbasket, the angels are not in agreement with that yet. (laughs) Amen. Zechariah chapter 1, Zechariah sees a vision of angelic horsemen. Now there's a question, are there angelic horses? You know, if, if, if horses can be in heaven, dogs certainly are. Now, now, I want you to understand this. This is very important for us. Look at somebody and say, you are supernatural and you're going to get this. <laughs> He will use whatever is necessary for you to recognize that he is bringing you a message. Now hear me. He will use, if it's a horse, if it's a dog, if it's a woman, if it's a man, if it's a kid. He is going to use what is necessary to get through to you at a certain moment, and if you reject that angel, you're going to get lost on your path. It's really how simple it is. Amen. So when Zachariah sees sees the vision of the horsemen, he asked the angel, what are these? And the angel answered, these are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. God has sent angels into the earth. Angels stand guard. Angels are called watchers. They watch over God's word. They watch over God's promises. They watch over you. Angels are assigned at different levels. Some are assigned to nations, like Chuck was saying. In Daniel 11, we see the, the angelic prince of Persia. Actually, it was the demonic prince of Persia, the demonic prince of Greece. But There's also uh, angels. Michael is angel's angelic prince. Both God and Satan have specific high-level angels assigned to different nations. They're also assigned to churches. Revelation 1.20, he talks about the angels 
of the seven churches of Asia Minor. They're assigned to individuals, Matthew 18. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So see, you have angels guarding you right now. Angels are there to back you up. Angels release God's judgment. In Exodus 12, one angel called the destroyer killed all the firstborn of Egypt. In Genesis, two angels destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. In 2 Kings 16, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. But let me tell you, angels are powerful. You don't want to mess with angels. Number four, they assist God's people. Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? You have angels who are set out to serve you. You have angels assigned to protect you and direct you into your destiny. And many times we don't even, we're not even aware of what they're doing. When we get to heaven, we'll be surprised to find out how many times angels intervened in our lives. Angels stand to attention, ready to carry out God's assignment. You know, God knows the future and the past. He knows what's going to happen at a given time and given place. And so when he sees you're going to be in a mess, he will have an angel already standing at attention there. When we're in danger, angels are sent out to defend us. They protect us from harm. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Years ago, I was going on a mission trip to Romania. But as time came to leave, Linda got very, very sick. She could barely get out of bed. And I said, do you think I need to cancel the trip? And she said, no, this is very important. You need to go. God will take care of me. And so I went down. I got on the plane. But as the plane was taking off, my heart was heavy. And I was just concerned about Linda. And God gave me a vision. And I saw our house at night from the air. And at each corner of the house was a pillar of fire. And I know God was showing me a vision of angels guarding the house while I was gone. And of course, Linda was just fine. Psalm 91, 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Years ago, I was driving on the interstate through Dallas. We had a 12-passenger van at the time. It had just started to rain, so the road was very slick. We came up over an overpass, and there right in front of us was a truck jackknifed. I put my foot on the brake, and because the road was so slick, we just started to spin. And so here's this 12-passenger van spinning around in the middle of the interstate. There were other cars all around us. We could hear them crashing into each other because they were having the same thing. Linda, I just grabbed the steering wheel. Linda shouted, Jesus! We finally came to a stop, facing back the way we had come. All around us were wrecked cars, but we were not touched. I knew angels had been at work. 
Soon after we moved to Dallas, I was driving on Stemmons Freeway. And a flatbed truck carrying a big portable building was ahead of me in the next lane. Some wind blow, a, a burst of wind came, the straps broke, and the wind lifted the building from the trailer and dumped it in my lane 30 feet in front of me. There was no way to avoid it. But something amazing happened. The moment that building hit the road in front of me, it ripped in two. Half of it was thrown to the left, the other half rolled to the right, and I drove through the middle without a scratch. I went and told Linda, I think I've been visited by an angel. And see, I firmly believe if you are where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do, God will send angels to protect you from harm. Angels direct our path. Acts chapter 8, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip followed the angel's direction and met an Ethiopian official who was just waiting to receive Jesus. And the result is a nation was saved. The result is we have Alamu beef too with us at glory of Zion. (laughs) Angels will guide you to divine appointments. Angels love to praise God. In the heavenly throne room, angels are described as singing and shouting and kneeling and dancing before the Lord. And so when we praise God here, we're joining in with the angels. But most of all, angels stand in awe of what God is doing for us. We're told they long to look into the mysteries of redemption. They celebrate when a sinner repents. Angels watch and observe when we meet. Like I said, there are angels here. They're watching. They're enjoying the worship. They join in when we praise. Sometimes you can hear them. Angels, tell your neighbor, angels are here right now. So how are we supposed to relate to angels? Well, we're not supposed to pray to them. We're not supposed to worship them. You know, when when an angel appeared to John, John wanted to worship, and the angel said, oh, no, don't do that. I'm just a servant of God like you are. We're not supposed to trust in angels because our trust is in God. But God wants us to know who they are. The the early church understood the reality of angels. The early church interacted with angels, and God wants us to interact with angels also. Because knowing that angels are standing with you should increase your faith. As we face the battles of life, God wants us to know that we have powerful allies. And no matter what 2024 holds, one thing we know for sure, angels will be there. Tell your neighbor, angels are going to be there. (laughs) Angels are already stationed where we need them to be. So don't be afraid. Let God open your eyes to the angels around you. Now to give you a picture of how angels operate, I want to look at the first angelic visitation described in the Bible. The first angelic visitation in the Bible was to an Egyptian slave girl named Hagar. 
In Genesis 12, Abram and Sarai went to Egypt to escape a famine in Canaan. And while they were there, they acquired an Egyptian slave girl named Hagar to serve as a handmaid for Sarai. Now, we don't know much about Hagar's background. In those days, some people were born into slavery. Others were enslaved when they were captured in battle. Some were sold into slavery to pay debts. One thing for sure, Hagar had already had a hard life. But things went from bad to worse for Hagar. God had promised Abram and Sarai's children, but Sarai was barren. And after waiting 10 years for a child, Sarai decided to take matters into her own hand. And following the custom of the day, Sarai told Abram, please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And so Abram listened to the voice of Sarai and Hagar really had no choice in the matter. So Abram slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise Sarai. And so Sarai mistreated Hagar and she fled from her. Things had gotten so bad for Hagar, she decided to run away. And so Hagar, several months pregnant, heads out across the desert on the long journey from Canaan to Egypt. Now, Hagar was in a dangerous and desperate situation. But God had not failed to see what she had suffered. Genesis 6.16 says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Now, some think the angel of the Lord means God himself, and that's possible, but it, just, but it also might mean an angel from the Lord. When an angel is sent out by God, it represents God and speaks in God's name. So the angel said, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And then the angel told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. So the angel starts by giving a directive word. Hagar was not to remain under Sarai forever, but this was not the time to leave. Angels give us direction by keeping us in God's timing so we can achieve our destiny. Many times prophetic words are delivered by angels. Then the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much they will be too numerous to count. The angel delivers a promise from God to increase her faith. And then the angel gives Hagar a prophetic word, revealing her son's destiny. The angel said, I will increase your descendants so much. The angel delivers a promise to increase her faith. And then he gives... Okay, get this back. Then the angels, you are pregnant and will give birth to a son. And you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. He will live in hostility toward his brothers. And as Hagar hears this, she responds to the Lord. She said, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And so the angel brought her to a new level of faith. See, angelic visitations are not designed to focus our attention on angels. Angels come in God's name to bring a new awareness of God. So Hagar returned to Abraham and Sarai. 
Saved from almost certain death in the wilderness, she gives birth to a son and names him Ishmael, which means God pays attention. Abraham loves Ishmael, but he is not the heir God had promised him. And so at the right time, Isaac is born to Sarah. But God is still working out his plan for Hagar. When Sarah hears Ishmael making fun of Isaac, she is enraged. And so Sarah sends Hagar and Ishmael away. Now, the good news is Hagar is freed from her slavery. The bad news is she once again finds herself in the desert, this time with her son Ishmael. They wander in the desert until they drink the last of their water. And then Hagar lays Ishmael down in the shade of a bush And she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch my boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And then the angel called to Hagar, what is the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand. I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and gave the boy a drink. Now notice what happened here. It doesn't say God created a well of water. The water was already there. God just opened her eyes to see it. The problem was Hagar had given up. She had lost hope. She wasn't even looking for water. She would have let Ishmael die when a well of water was just a few steps away. So God sent his angel And the angel again assured Hagar that God's eye was upon her. He repeated God's promise that Ishmael would be a great nation. And her faith revived. Suddenly her eyes were open. And she could see the resources that she needed. Ishmael was spared. Now it's interesting to me that that is the first account of angelic visitation in the Bible. In the eyes of the world, Hagar was a nobody. She was a slave. She was an outcast. She wasn't even supposed to be in the story. She was only involved because of Sarah's refusal to believe God. But God saw her distress and had compassion on her. God had a destiny for Hagar and Ishmael. And so God sent his angel to protect her, to direct her, and to assure her that God had seen her need. Now see, if God did that for Hagar, he will do the same for you. Pray that God would open your eyes and make you aware of the angels all around you. They're watching and guarding your life. They'll be with you in times of crisis. They will speak to you in prophetic words. They will appear to you in your dreams. You will sense their presence when you worship. You will see their hand at work to protect you. And sometimes they'll even visit you. So let them stir up your faith and your boldness. Then press forward into victory. As we move tonight into 2024, God wants you to walk with confidence. You have armies of angels on your side. So thank God for the messengers he is sending to assist you. God wants you to know the angels are here. Thank you, Lord, for the angels. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you. Let's stand up.
Wow. Now, if this message made you uncomfortable, I'm very glad. (laughs) Because it's a lot going on around you other than just you. And that's the reason. And some people say, well, gosh, if I just do everything right, an angel will show up. You don't have to do anything right. God will send an angel to straighten you out if necessary. He'll send an angel to save your life from death. Or he can send an angel if it's your time to go. Now, you are a part of a supernatural world that God spoke into existence. He formed it. He framed it. And I have one prayer for us as we leave here today. Those things you need to see on your path at the end of this year, as you go into next year, that you haven't been seeing, I decree your eyes will be made open by the Spirit of God. The well was already there. The ram was already there. The angels were already there in the midst of the war. Now, Father, I say, what we're not seeing cause us to see. In Jesus' name, I send you for seed. Hopefully, I'll see some of you back here on January 2nd.